0: Hello, my name is Hélène Guja professor of international public law in Aix-en-Provence, Aix-Marseille University, and I'm also a scholar-in-residence here at NYU and um, a <clears throat> member um, of the uh, UN uh, Human Rights um, Committee. I'm really pleased uh, to take the opportunity of uh, the anniversary of a lot of instruments, and especially the American Declaration on uh, Human Rights and Duties, uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, of course, uh, the UN uh, Convention on Genocide, and also the entry into force of the American Convention of Human Rights, to share some reflections on uh, the challenging topic of articulation and um, combination of all the instruments adopted uh, from uh, the Universal Declaration, and how all these instruments, adopted at regional levels, adopted at universal level, um, may um, work together and coexist together. That will be the topic of this uh, lecture uh, about uh, universal and regional uh, systems and conditions of harmonization, um, uh, complementary, or maybe uh, fragmentation. Um, these reflections are based on a book uh, I have uh, written and published in French with my colleague, uh, Professor uh, Ludovic Enbel. So I said the, 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 the title in French uh, Traité de droit international des droits de l'homme. And we are working on the uh, English version uh, to be published by Cambridge University Press. I hope in a couple of months. And uh, in this book, we have worked on um, uh, the regional um, human rights courts' judgments, uh, the work also of the uh, UN treaty bodies, so the, the views and the general comments and the concluded observation adopted by the UN uh, treaty bodies, but also the uh, I would say the soft law work of other um human rights organs for instance uh the u n special procedure mechanisms or the uh... <clears throat> Uh, special mechanisms adopted in the framework of the african union uh, american of Ameri- Organization of American States and uh, uh, Council of Europe uh, procedures. And uh, the objective and the aim of one of uh, one of the aim of our book was to uh, capture uh, beyond, I would say, institutional um, differences to capture from a substantial point of view what um, international human rights law is and uh, what it means concretely, for instance, the right to life or uh, the right to to a tribunal. And um, our observations based on this comparative approach of of human rights and human rights materials um, lead to um, at least two conclusions. Uh, First, there is, of course, no institutional or formal relations between the uh, regional mechanisms and uh, universal structure of of human rights. And to a certain extent, the consequence of this non-existence of um, relations or non-existence of links between the regional levels and, and the universal level, uh, May be um, fragmentation of international human rights law. And um, to a certain extent, uh, I must admit that this uh, rather negative word used to describe um, this uh, institutional framework of international human rights law um, is. Justified, but um, to a certain extent only. I mean, the fragmentation of uh, international human rights law shall not be, uh, or may not be, uh, overestimated, and that will be uh, the main topic of this uh, uh, of this uh, of this lecture. Um, and indeed. Um, what we observe, uh, and especially from uh, uh, the, the adoption of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights of 48, what we may observe that uh, there are converging movements, both in regional levels and, and universal level, and uh, these um, converging movements, this growing evolution, may lead to the uh, construction of a kind of um, uh, use commune of, of human rights, or uh, uh, what? we called in our book uh, the global, uh, international global uh, human rights, or if I use the word of the Inter-American Court of Human Rights, we may observe uh, the, the construction of a kind of international corpus juris uh, on different uh, topic and specific topic of, of human rights. So, from these observations, and again, beyond uh, the, the different institutions, the different uh, mechanisms that may exist, uh, we really plead in favor of a holistic approach of of human rights uh, by the organs themselves, and uh, uh, I will try to demonstrate that the organs of human rights cannot work anymore in isolation. Um, And there's another conclusion uh, we, we, we... have drawn from our observation and our uh, uh, analysis of this uh, comparative um, work um, provided by uh, human rights organs, regional organs, and and universal organs. Um, It's really difficult, and it's impossible actually, uh, to to say which is the best system. It does not exist. I mean, in abstract, uh, the best system of human rights does not exist. It's it's impossible to say that the European system is the best because it's uh, the Oldest, for instance, or the UN mechanisms are the best because it's at a universal level. And uh, actually, um, what we can see is that uh, uh, the, the, the best system is in this articulation and dynamic and combination of uh, the different uh, solutions or the different ideas, uh, the different uh, appro- approaches of human rights that could be uh, used and that could be uh, drawn from uh, the comparative uh, practice. So um, uh, we really believe in this dynamic and uh, 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 dynamic construction of international human rights law. And uh, uh, for us, there's no incompatibility or there's no fragmentation of international human rights law. But Uh, under uh, certain conditions I'm going to to develop. So, uh, the organs have to respect uh, some conditions for an efficient, I would say, harmonized approach of of human rights. So, I will try to address uh, this issue of articulation between regional levels of protection of human rights and uh, universal level of of protection of human rights. Um, First, On elaborating uh, on the fact that under certain conditions, uh, universal and regional human rights organs may be or are complementary rather than uh, contradictory. Um, But as I just mentioned, uh, of course, uh, it implies that the human rights organs do accept to have a conversation and do accept to have a conversation with others and to draw inspiration with um, from others or what others human rights uh, or other human rights organs do. And it also implies that human rights organ regional levels, but also universal level, uh, do accept before deciding or before adopting a, a decision uh, to, to have this holistic approach and cooperative approach uh, and not fragmented approach of, uh, of way of working and way of reasoning and, and way of interpreting um, uh, human rights. Of course, It's not always possible for economic reasons, for lack of human resources, financial resources, sometimes problem of language, because decisions of organs are not available on uh, uh, language uh, that can be understood by by organs. But I think it's very significant to adopt this holistic approach of of human rights. Um, Just a, a preliminary remark before Developing this idea, the first idea of complementary uh, relation between regional system and, and universal system. Um, I'm not going to develop uh, the domestic level of protection of human rights, and I'm not going uh, to um, elaborate on the uh, issue of subsidiarity of mechanisms of human rights or complementarity of mechanisms of human rights. But of course, it's very significant, and, and uh, I'm aware of that, and I, 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 we should keep uh, the, the domestic level, uh, you know, in mind um, when we address this question of articulation of different uh, levels of, of, of protection. And of course, I take for granted that the ideal system of human rights would be the domestic system. I mean, in an ideal world, uh, as uh, the European Court of Human Rights or the Inter-American Court of Human Rights always um, Point out uh, the best system is uh, the system of protection of human rights in the hand of the domestic judge. But In practice, it does not work, so that's the reason why uh, the other uh, international, regional, or universal organs uh, should um, intervene in this protection of human rights. So, I'm not going to develop this aspect of subsidiarity or complementarity with uh, the domestic level, but we have to keep uh, this um, in mind. Um, So, my first question is the following on this uh, issue of harmonization or fragmentation. Um, is the adoption of different regional instruments contrary or a danger for the universality of human rights? Is there a fragmentation of international human rights, as sometimes it may be uh, raised by some states some, or some um, NGOs or uh, scholars? Um, Actually, there are many regional mechanisms and many regional organs, conventional instruments in Africa, in America, in Asia, within uh, the League of the Arab States, um, and the Islamic Conference, and in Europe, of course. So, we have more than 50 instruments, and of course, the question is how all these fifty instruments may coexist, and again, may coexist and have relation with uh, uh, the uh, instruments adopted in the framework of the uh, of the UN. Some of these instruments are general; other are specific. I mean, uh, focused on for instance, um, focused on a category of persons as women, as children, or focused on the prohibition of a type of violations of of, of human rights. So, there's a very significant challenge in terms of harmonization uh, and coherence of this uh, human rights rights system. So, is there an harmonization, or is it possible to to, to have this harmonization of the uh, human rights system? Based on the practice, um, the answer is not easy. But I would say that most of the time, um, the regional instruments are adopted by states' members of regional organizations. As complementary rather than contradictory to the universal protection and, and universal um, instruments. And in general, uh, the, the, re- the regional instruments, regional treaties, conventions, etc., are a tool, are a mean uh, to, to take into account the specificities, uh, the special needs, uh, the history, the historical background, cultural background, etc. of uh, a or even the philosophy of human rights, of a continent, of a group of of states. And uh, we have to keep in mind that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is both a standard, a minimum to respect, uh, but also an ideal to achieve. And of course, states are totally free to go beyond what the uh, Universal Declaration um, uh, says, or or what the Universal Declaration does um, protect. And from a formal point of view, I also uh, point out the fact that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is quoted and referred to by um, uh, the different uh, regional conventions. For instance, uh, there's a mention of the Universal Declaration uh, in the preamble of the uh, European Convention of Human Rights, uh, the American Convention of Human Rights, the African Charter um, of Human and People's Rights, uh, the Arab Charter, and even the... Uh, even It's not a treaty, but uh, the 2012 ASEAN uh, Declaration. Um, so, uh, I would say from a formal point of view, there's no contradiction between um uh, the the universal level built and um, constructed from the universal declaration and the different uh, regional instruments adopted uh, from this um, from this uh, text and i add that in some treaties and it's the case for instance for the uh, european convention of human rights and the american convention of human rights there's a kind of safeguard provision i mean for instance, in uh, Article 53 of the European Convention of Human Rights, uh, if um, the, um, the the human rights are protected, are better protected in other um, human rights treaty, uh, the European Convention of Human Rights cannot be used to limit the protection of human rights. So it's another way to um, establish a kind of link between the regional instruments, here the European Convention of Human Rights, but we have the same provision in the American Convention of Human Rights, and what uh, are the um, other um, international instruments. But I give, to be more precise, I give some illustrations of uh, this relationship of. Um, between uh, regional initiatives and uh, the, the universal system, and how uh, the regional initiatives of the state may be complementary to the um, universal protection, and, and maybe a, an opportunity for, for, for the protection of human rights. Um, first illustration, uh, the African Charter. Uh, the African Charter on Human and People's Rights was adopted in '81 and the text is very interesting because uh, the philosophy of human rights in in the of, of the African charter uh, is quite different of the philosophy uh, uh, of the uh, two convenants, of the two UN uh the uh, International Convenant on Civil and Political Rights and the International Convenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, adopted in uh, uh, 1966. And um, why uh, this, te- this text is very interesting, it's because in the African Charter, um, of course, uh, some individual rights are protected, but not only in the African Charter, we also may find um, uh, collective rights, and and so uh, the right of peoples, and that's in the title of the uh, uh, African Charter, and uh, uh, these rights, are more or less silenced in the, uh, in the two uh, covenants, except uh, Article 1 of the ICCPR and the International Covenant on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights. But this Article 1 cannot be um, claimed uh, in individual uh, complaints. So the African Charter is interesting because in this text, um, there's a balance and there's an interesting balance between. Uh, the individ- individualist approach of human rights and collective approach of, of, of human rights, and this translation of balance between collective interest and uh, individual interest, uh, as I said, is that in the text we have individual rights and, and collective rights. And it's not, of course, contradictory uh, to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and on the contrary, it's... Uh, Complementary to this, uh, to this instrument, and it's. Interesting, not only in the text but in the practice of the African Commission of uh, Human and uh, of the Human and People Rights, and especially uh, the decisions and the interpretation provided by the African Commission on, for instance, collective right um, to land in favor of indigenous communities or protection against uh, economic exploitation, exploitation uh, from uh, foreign uh, investors, etc., etc. So we have some decisions some landmark decision adopted by the African Commission on the content of this collective right so it's not just a theoretical affirmation in the African Charter but uh, some decisions are very significant in this uh, topic on and especially the relationship between collective right and um, business and this decision of the African Commission are uh, um, taken into account in the current uh, debate and discussion within the uh, Human Rights Council on the topic of uh, business and human rights and the the draft of uh, a text on this uh, issue of business and human rights. So it's a it's a good example of how complementary uh, this uh, regional system may be to the uh, universal approach of, of of human rights. And I add um, to, to be convinced uh, of this complementary that the African Charter has two interesting provisions, establishing a, a direct link between uh, the text, the African text, and the rest of international law or the rest of international treaties. And uh, uh, these provisions are Article 60 and Article 61 um, referring to international law, not only international human rights law, but international law in, in general. And the African Commission does use, concretely, when uh, the African um, Commission does receive uh, individual complaints, uh, does use um, uh, the, the rest of international law. So, there's a, a kind of um, harmonized uh, interpretation of the African Charter harmonized in, uh, with uh, the rest of, um, of international law another feature of the uh, univ- another um, element uh, of the universal feature i would say of this uh, african mechanism is and it's not really known is that the jurisdiction of the african court uh, as created and established by the protocol um, to the African Charter adopted in '98, uh, uh, may include in the jurisdiction in this jurisdiction uh, some regional, some universal instrument, uh, and especially the ICCPR. When the ICC, if the ICCPR is ratified by the state before the um, African Court, so it means that the African Court has jurisdiction over the ICCPR and to, to check and to monitor if the uh, African state has respected its um, universal obligation. And that's very interesting, So because it means that to a certain extent, uh, the African court may be a universal court, and uh, the African court uh, does have the jurisdiction to interpret and control the implementation of this uh, universal instrument. And it does, I mean, uh, in some judgments regarding, for instance, the freedom of uh, speech, uh, the African Court did use... um, uh, did conclude, uh, 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 based on Article 19 of the ICCPR, regarding the freedom of of speech, and did use as reference of interpretation uh, the case law of the uh, UN uh, Human Rights Committee on Freedom of Speech. So, it's another example of... Uh, the the, the kind of links that can be uh, established between a regional mechanism and the universal uh, sphere. And uh, that's the reason why I say we cannot, um, I would say, overestimate this um, idea of of fragmentation. Um, Other examples... um, in other areas, um, the European Convention of Human Rights, adopted in uh, 1950, and, uh, the Europe, and the American Convention of Human Rights, adopted in 1969, may um, contain rights that are not protected in uh, universal um, instruments or, or, or universal treaties. And for instance, uh, uh, the, the right to property Uh, the right to property is protected by Article 1, Protocol 1 of the um, European Convention of Human Rights, Article 21 of the American Convention of Human Rights, but it's not protected by uh, the ICCPR. So, it's another example of um, how uh, the regional uh, protection of human rights may be complementary to the uh, universal uh, protection of of human rights. a third illustration, and it's uh, uh, also very significant, uh, on these, uh, of these uh, complementary um, relations between re- regional and, and universal level of, of human rights. Um, the regional instruments adopted after the two covenants of uh, 1966 may reflect, I would say, um, the evolution of the society, or the evolution of the uh, mentality of states, or even the evolution on um, um, of, of concerns, uh, and um, on concerns, for instance, that, when, that were not uh, visible during uh, the, the 60s and when the two covenants were uh, adopted. And, uh, for instance, uh, I mention again the African... Charter, or the 2004 Arab Charter, or even um, the 2007 EU, so for for the Union the European Union Charter on Fundamental Rights, and these three um, texts are very significant because they put together in the same text uh, civil and political rights on the wide side on one side and economic, social, and cultural rights on the other side, and we know that. Within the UN, of course, that's a significant problem: the separation between the ICCPR on the one side, civil and political rights, and economic, social, and cultural rights on the on the other side. And so, when we read this more recent text on African Charter until the EU Charter, we may see in, we may see in this in the same instruments. Um, uh, the right to life or the right to, to a tribunal or the freedom of speech, I mean more classical um, rights with uh, the right to a, a healthy environment or the right to solidarity in favor of persons with disabilities or in favor of per, of elderly persons. And and this topic, for instance, right of persons with disabilities or right of elderly person, are totally, Ignored or are totally silenced in, all, in more uh, ancient um, uh, texts and in the, in the uh, covenants adopted during the, the, the 60s. And for instance, uh, it's regarding the, the right to a healthy environment, um, the former uh, UN uh, special reporter John Knox. Uh, pleads... is pleading for the recognition of the right to a healthy environment as a human rights within the UN in its... uh, uh, in his report uh, disclosed in 2018. Uh, But uh, for the inter-American system, or for the uh, African system, uh, these... uh, Maybe to a certain extent also in the in the practice of the uh, European Committee on Social Rights, this idea that the right to a healthy environment is a human right is not new. So uh, w- w- we can see uh, that um, again uh, we may have some rights protected in the framework of regional areas and um, that could um, and, and the UN sphere could draw inspiration from this uh, regional approach of, um, of this protection. Um, So, to a certain extent, there's a paradox, because uh, the regional instruments on this issue, for instance, um, relationship between uh, civil and political rights and economic, social and cultural rights, or um, uh, individual rights and collective rights, to a certain extent, the regional systems are more respectful of the philosophy of the Universal Declaration of '48 uh, and more respectful of the principles of interdependence and indivisibility of, of human rights than the two UN covenants. And on this issue, uh, w- it's clear that the, uh, the reconciliation between uh, civil and political rights and economic, social and cultural rights is better realized uh, at. Regional, regional level, levels that um, and more difficult I would say to be voiced uh, and heard at a universal um, level. There, there are a lot of things uh, that are changing, but uh, I think on this issue the regional um, uh, systems um, are more um, are more developed and more sophisticated on, on, on this. And so um, I, I'm not going to, to develop more example. In our books, we we, we try to. We try to give more example on this uh, of this uh, complementary relation and mutual, I would say, enrichment between uh, the regional systems and uh, uh, the, um, uh, the the universal approach of of human rights. And There are many reasons, of course, uh, for the states to adopt uh, additional instruments. It's not only to to, to make things more complicated and and more complex for the victims, for instance, but there are very significant reasons for them to adopt uh, additional instruments um, at regional uh, levels. Um, As as I said, uh, for instance, the adoption of a new instrument at regional level May reflect um, special needs, special needs, or special concerns uh, arising in a speci- specific area, rather than challenging uh, the universal protection. Um, the adoption by the the African Union in January two thousand and eighteen. So. Um, quite recently, uh, of a protocol on the rights of persons with disabilities uh, is a perfect example. Of course, we have the UN uh, Convention, the 2006 UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, with the uh, extraordinary work uh, of the uh, UN um, Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. um, the interest for the African state to adopt a specific protocol to the African Charter, focusing on the rights of persons with disabilities, uh, it's not to undermine uh, uh, the uh, UN Convention, but uh, and, and many regarding the content, many provisions of the uh, protocol, the African protocol, are really similar to the uh, 2006 um, UN Convention. But the interest and the idea is to put uh, this specific topic um, on the agenda of the uh, African state. So it, it's a good point. I mean, it's not used or it's not Adapted to limit uh, the UN protection, but it's adapted to from a political point of view, and also from a more um, uh, pragmatic point of view, it's adapted in order to to try to make this issue uh, this issue of rights of persons uh, living with uh, disabilities more um, concrete and more uh, more efficient. Um, another um, aim uh, may be. Um, when states do adopt a specific um, and regional treaty, maybe to fill a gap of the uh, universal uh, uh, protection and I just mentioned uh, two um, examples for, Um, The European Convention on Human Trafficking, adopted by the Council of Europe in 2005. So, it's a very significant text uh, in order to fight against this kind of behavior. And another initiative of the African Union, the Protocol on the Rights of Elderly Persons, also adopted in um, 2008... Seventeen, sorry, by the uh, African Union, and it's this uh, text is very interesting because uh, it does not exist in the framework of the uh, United uh, Nations. So maybe uh, it's going to be uh, it, or it's going to give um, ideas to other um, states outside uh, the African Union, and precisely uh, the adoption of regional convention may be. Um, I would say the preliminary or the first step uh, and the model of a universal of, of a regional text uh, may be used to adopt a universal treaty. And it's for instance uh, the case regarding enforced disappearances. And uh, uh, on this issue, uh, the case law of the Inter-American Court of Human Rights. Uh, first based on the American Convention of Human Rights, but then based on this uh, Inter-American Convention on Enforced Disappearances of Persons, adopted by the Organization of American States in 1994, was a significant... um, uh, model and was a significant material for the UN when the UN did adopt and did draft uh, the 2006 uh, convention on enforced disappearances so Again, uh, there's no uh, in general when when the state did decide to adopt an a, a regional instrument, it's not done in order to limit uh, the UN protection but it's it's done for the different uh, reasons I, I, I mentioned. And on the opposite, of course we, we could have I could have done the opposite on the opposite, the work of the uh, universal organs or universal treaties uh, may be very useful for the implementation of regional um, uh, and interpretation of regional uh, instruments, and especially um, dealing with spe- with very precise issues as pers- rights of persons with disabilities, women's rights, rights of indigenous communities, uh, etc. Um, so. The first uh, idea was to, to try to convince that there's no uh, contradiction, and on the contrary, there's really a, a, a kind of complementary relation between the regional um, systems and regional initiatives, mechanisms, texts, etc, and the universal um, framework. But um, my second question is uh, under what condition all these instruments may, I would say, coexist peacefully. And, uh, concretely speaking, when organs do interpret their instruments, are they respectful of what others can do on the same issue, for instance, the content of the right to life, or uh, the definition of torture? Is this definition of torture the same in the jurisprudence of the European Court of Human Rights, the Inter-American Court, and the committee, the UN Committee, uh, against um, torture? Um, The the answer is not easy. And of course, here I'm just uh, sharing some uh, general reflection and I cannot develop all this... um, uh, the example and and, and all the practice, of course. Uh, And and the answer should be balanced on this uh, question of peaceful coexistence between the different spheres and and different mechanisms and and, and instruments. Um, The thing is clear, it may happen that uh, there are contradictions of jurisprudence or contradiction of interpretation of the same issue between the different level of protection or between uh, the different instruments. Uh, And not only between uh, regional levels and and universal levels, sometimes it may have um, difference of interpretation or contradiction between... uh, or inside the the UN... uh, itself, for instance. So, it's not only uh, about uh, the relationship between the regional levels and, and, and universal level, but there are, it may happen that there are some uh, contradictions. And I gave two significant examples um, taken from uh, the case law of the uh, European Court of Human Rights on the one side and the uh, UN Human Rights Committee on the other side. And uh, these two examples are taken from uh, the decisions delivered by the two organs regarding the freedom of religion and uh, the right to uh, abortion. And it, on these issues, and I'm not going to say who is, uh, what is the best solution, it's not the point here, but on these issues, um, freedom of religion and, and right to abortion. The UN Human Rights Committee does not have at all uh, the same position than the European Court of um, of Human Rights. Uh, for the to summarize and um, very briefly the position of the two organs, um, uh, and especially first uh, regarding the freedom of religion. For the uh, Human Rights Committee, in decision in views adopted in two thousand and eighteen, the state. Um, does not have under certain conditions does not have the right to limit uh, the wearing of a religious um, uh, scarf in a public space. Uh, for the European Court of Human Rights, uh, for the same against uh, the same state, uh, the European Court of Human Rights uh, did consider that it. It was a matter of subsidiarity, and it was not to the European Court of Human Rights to deal with uh, this very sensitive um, issue. I, I, I summarize uh, the decision. It's more complicated than this, but uh, the, 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 uh, the outcome is that. Uh, France was condemned by the Human Rights Committee, but France were, for, for the same legislation, France was not condemned by the European Court of Human Rights. And regarding abortion, we have the same contradiction. Um, the, uh, Europe, the European Court of Human Rights uh, considered that uh, Ireland had the right, in a judgment delivered in 2010, had the right to limit uh, the access to abortion, um whereas uh the Human rights committee in more recent uh, decision adopted in two thousand and sixteen against the same state uh considered that it was um the limitation of access to abortion was contrary to uh some rights protected by the um, ICCpr so again, I'm not going to say uh where is the best solution or who is right or or wrong, but from the state's point of view, and and even from the victim's point of view, it's a bit puzzling because for uh, the same question, the content of freedom of religion or the content of uh, right to abortion, uh, we have two different um, answers, and uh, so here there's an obvious. Problem of contradiction, fragmentation, and I would say at the end of the process, uh, problem of efficiency, legitimacy, and even uh, universality of um, of human rights, and um, that's the reason why the answer to this question of um, peaceful coexistence is so um, is so difficult. And I add that um, based on the analysis of, of the practice. Um, the, some of the human rights organs at regional levels and uh, universal level used to work in isolation. Uh, the tendency, for instance, of the UN treaty bodies and uh, uh, the Human Rights Committee in particular is or was um, not to quote and, or not to take into account what uh, other uh, UN treaty bodies do, or what other uh, UN special procedures um, also do about human rights, as reports of special reporters when dealing with torture, disabilities, women's rights, children's rights, rights, uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, the practice of the UN treaty bodies uh, is, or was, also uh, not to take into account what regional bodies do about human rights, even if the question, as I said, is the same about torture, women's rights, or, or rights of persons with, with with disabilities. And officially, the position of the UN treaty bodies was to say, OK, we cannot quote and we cannot refer to what the Inter-American courts say, or what the, the um, African organs said, or what the European Court of Human Rights said, because we are a human rights, a universal organ. But, um, of course, uh, I, I think this um, uh, position um, uh, should be um, discussed or challenged and should be uh, overcome, and I will give you um, uh, some, some example. And um, the same uh, is true, the same statement of work in isolation is also true for some regional organs, especially the European Court of uh, of Human Rights, as the oldest um, um, court of human rights and the oldest um, mechanism of, of human rights. I mean, oldest in the term of after the um, the adoption of the uh, UN Charter. Um, the, the European Court of Human Rights had, had played a very significant role, and I played a role of leadership in uh, the interpretation of uh, civil and political rights. And we have many examples of the the case law of the European Court of Human Rights regarding the right to a tribunal or regarding the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, protection of rights in terms of emergency, etc. And, and, And the European Court of Human Rights had this leadership when others, and when other human rights organs were not so developed and were not so sophisticated. But, and that's the point, uh, we are celebrating this anniversary of the uh, Universal Declaration, so uh, 70 years after, of course things are changing and things have changed, especially thanks to the multiplication of instruments and multiplication that. To me should be seen as an opportunity for the uh, for the organs uh, themselves and, and, and not a danger and um, that's the reason why um, I, I really think that the UN treaty bodies and the uh, European Court of Human Rights cannot work anymore in, in isolation and especially uh, for the um, European Court of Human Rights and because to a certain extent and for many political reasons and and states uh, push back um, the leadership of the uh, European Court of Human Rights on many and major issues of of human rights, as uh, women's rights, rights rights of persons with disabilities, protection of economic, social, and cultural rights, and even fight against um, uh, discrimination or protection against torture, uh, is not the same. I mean, its leadership is not a leadership, actually. So my impression, based on this uh, comparative uh, analysis of the uh, international practice, is that uh, keeping these two reservations into into account in mind, I mean, uh, the tendency to work in isolation and uh, the contradiction of jurisprudence that may happen, I have the impression, the positive impression, that uh, the current practice is more and more based on dialogue, more and more based on cross quotation, referrals, and uh, uh, to uh, what the other uh, human rights organs uh, say or do uh, about um, human rights. Um, A few examples, and some very recent uh, illustrations of this dialogue and cross-reference, and I cannot develop all the examples, but just a few. Um, in two recent decisions uh, adopted by the African Commission on, on Human and People's Rights, uh, disclosed in uh, 2017 and 2018, uh, about uh, the right to nationality and the freedom of religion, uh, the uh, African Commission did really use what Regarding the right to a nationality, right uh, the Inter American Court of Human Rights say uh, says about uh, the right to a nationality and especially the right not to be arbitrarily deprived of uh, uh, its uh, his or her uh, nationality and 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 the African Commission really did refer to uh, the case law of the um, uh, Inter American Court as mean of interpretation of its own uh, charter and regarding the freedom of religion uh, it was a case against uh, Egypt and uh, the first one about nationality was about uh, against uh, Ivory Coast and the other one uh, against uh, Egypt uh, the um, in the African Commission Um, did uh, use uh, the position of the European Court of Human Rights and the Human Rights Committee, especially regarding reservation, because Egypt made a reservation to uh, the provision of the African Charter on uh, freedom of um, uh, religion, and uh, uh, that was the first time the African Commission had to face with uh, such a reservation and... In order to adopt a position, uh, the uh, African Commission did use uh, the the case law of the uh, European Court and the uh, Human Rights Committee on this issue. Um, Second example, um, in a decision uh, on the merits, disclosed in November uh, 2018 by the European Committee on uh, Social Rights, Uh, there was uh, an interesting reference to the Advisory Opinion uh, uh, 24 of the uh, Inter-American Court of Human Rights on uh, gender identity. The problem dealt with by the uh, European Committee on Social Rights was about the right to health of a transsexual transsexual person. And in order to interpret uh, the European Charter on Social Rights, Uh, the uh, European uh, Committee did use and did mention this advisory opinion delivered uh, in 2017 by the uh, Inter-American Court of of Human Rights. Um, Other examples, and I think the case law of the Inter-American Court uh, of of Human Rights is the most comparative uh, case law. Uh, examples from its um, uh, case law, judgments, and advisory opinion. Uh, for instance, when the uh, Interamerican Court of Human Rights. Um, In some judgments, did recognize that the economic, social, and cultural rights may be uh, justiciable, and uh, the um, based on Article 26 of the American Convention of Human Rights, uh, the Inter American Court did use extensively uh, the General Comments and the position of the UN uh, Committee on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, and it was. Really, a very significant tool in order to interpret the content of economic, social, and cultural rights, and especially the right to health and the right to work, uh, that were as the two rights uh, that were at stake in the in the case law of the um, in the, the case law of the Inter American Court, and in other judgments or advisory opinion regarding. Um, uh, rights of the child or the situation of the child in migration. Again, uh, the uh, Inter-American Court did use uh, the position of the UN Committee on... Um, the, the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child or the UN Committee on Migrant Workers' Rights and uh, in order to Um, interpret uh, the protection provided by uh, Article 19 of the American Convention of Human Rights. And it's very interesting because Article 19, it's a very short provision, very broad provision. There's no precision in this provision but it's about the protection of of children and the protection due by uh, the state in favor of children and in order to interpret this very broad uh, provision the uh, inter-american court did use uh, the work of the uh, of the uh, UN organs I, I mentioned, and uh, for the Inter American Court. This work of the uh, UN um, committees, committees on, on the rights of the child and migrants' workers' rights, uh, belong to a kind of international corpus juris. So I, I quote the terms uh, used by the Inter American Court of, of Human Rights. Um, two more example and two last example um, in the case law of the European Court of Human Rights. I said previously that the case that the European Court um, used to work in isolation, but things are slowly changing, and in some judgments adopted in 2017, for instance, on the rights of persons with disabilities, uh, the. The, the European Court uh, did use uh, the 2006 uh, UN Convention and especially the work and the interpretation provided by the UN Committee on Disabilities, on Rights of Persons with Disabilities, in order to interpret the concept of autonomy. And that, that was very interesting because uh, the previous case law of the European Court of Human Rights on Rights of Persons with Disabilities is really bad. So, it's a real improvement uh, in uh, the European approach of rights of persons with disability, And this improvement is based on the work of the um, UN uh, Committee. Uh, when the European Court uh, dealt with, dealt with um, uh, for instance, the right to a fair trial, uh, the European Court quoted uh, the relevant general comment on, of the uh, Human Rights Committee on the right to a fair trial, Article. 15 of the, uh, 14 of the ICCPR. And a final example taken from the case law of the European Court of Human Rights, um, it, again, in judgment adopted at, in, in 2017, it may happen that uh, the European Court did use uh, the country visit report of the UN Special Rapporteur on Human Rights and Extreme Poverty in Romania in order to capture uh, the situation of people living with a mental illness. And it was interesting, because uh, this country visit report was was used by the European Court of Human Rights not really as an element of proof but as an element uh, to draw the context and, and to, to establish the framework of the of the violation of the individual violation uh, and, and denounced uh, and, uh, before um, before her and uh, last but not least it may happen uh, that uh, the Human Rights Committee the UN uh, Human Rights Committee, uh, does mention, and again, it's quite slow, and it's um, not a common practice, systematic practice, but does mention regional practice on political rights, for instance, and uh, very recently um, on, again, uh, military tribunals, for instance, in, in a views based on a, an individual complaint, uh, uh, adopted in March 2018, Uh, it's interesting because um, in order to uh, to, to say if uh, the uh, military tribunals were um, uh, contradictory to Article 14 of the ICCPR, the um, Human Rights Committee did use uh, the case law and the position of the European Court of Human Rights, African Commission, and the Inter-American Court of Human Rights. So, it's uh, that's the reason why I, s- I say that the uh, Human Rights Committee used to work in isolation, but progressively things are changing. And uh, in its very recent general comment adopted on the Right to Life, uh, General Comment uh, uh, 36, um, again, there are a lot of quotations of uh, the regional um, case law on regarding the uh, the right to life. So I will I, I could give more example, and uh, I'm not going to to develop more. But um, the thing interesting in this uh, multiplication of, of referrals, quotation, etc., is that to me, of course, it's a positive step, and they are positive step um, towards the. Um, a harmonization of international uh, human rights law and i have to precise that this kind of quotation reference, cross um, uh, mention etc are uh, more uh, significant from a quantitative point of view more significant than the contradiction of jurisprudence uh, of jurisprudence i mentioned earlier so the contrad- I, I have begun with the contradiction of jurisprudence, but it, it should not be overestimated. And, and here we, we there are many, plenty of examples of uh, this um, these kind of cross-referral and cross uh, quotation. But and to me that's the price to really reach uh, the harmonization uh, of international human rights law. The thing I regret in this comparative practice and this comparative approach of, of, of human rights is that the referrals are not rigorous and uh, especially in the practice of the Human Rights Committee or the European Court of, of Human Rights, and I think a lot uh, there, there's a lot to learn from the practice of the uh, American convention, American Court uh, of Human Rights on this uh, issue, and especially its methodology, and why um, the uh, American Court does use uh, the comparative um, approach of, of human rights. So, I would love this dialogue between uh, human rights organs be more uh, systematic and more organized and and not just uh, in some cases a referral without any uh, methodology and more reasoned also because uh, it's not only a b- about bringing a solutions uh, from outside uh, and uh, quoting a, a case law or a judgment from from outside but why it's significant to use uh, the case law uh, from uh, from outside and and why uh, uh, for instance, the European Court of Human Rights should use or, or uh, is expected to use more and more the case law or the practice of the, uh, for instance, the UN uh, CEDAW uh, Committee on Elimination of Discrimination Against Women or, or the, the case law of the uh, UN Committee on Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So based I would love this practice to be based on a more um, rigorous methodology and I would love that uh, human rights organs members uh, take I would say more time uh, to 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 read and to think about what the others do and and, and say about the, the same topic and based on this um, uh, holistic approach of um, of uh, issues and just uh, to be clear um, uh, and not to be misunderstood Uh, I'm not pleading for a uniform approach of of human rights or uniform approach of interpretation of of human rights. On the contrary, I tried to um, uh, explain in the first point that the national or regional approaches may be different and the diversity may be uh, very significant to achieve uh, the 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 universality of, um, of of human rights. So, I think it's significant to uh, not to make confusion between uh, u- uh, universality of human rights and uniformity. I think uniformity, of course, is dangerous for for the human rights. So, as a final remark. Uh, I would like to to highlight that the uh, seventy years of after the adoption of the Universal Declaration of, of Human Rights as a resolution of the uh, General Assembly, uh, the construction. Of these um, legal institutions, courts, quasi-judicial bodies, um, special procedures, special mechanisms, etc., on so many topics is really extraordinary, and it cannot be challenged. And this element cannot be um, challenged. It's uh, an amazing achievement of the um, international law post uh, 45 international um, law and. Uh, uh, it's uh, extraordinary progress uh, compared to um, the international society or the international legal order before the, the UN Charter, the adoption of the UN Charter. But um, we cannot take uh, this extraordinary constriction for granted. And as I pointed out in the introduction of this lecture, uh, the perfect system of human rights that does not exist, um, does, not exist does, does not exist in itself, And uh, the viability and the strength of human rights organs uh, rests, to me, really upon this harmonization and uh, cross-fertilization of uh, the different levels of protection of human rights. Thanks for your attention.